This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. We're into the second hour here. Thank you so much for being here with me this evening. I'm going to share some of my uh, happy trails with you and some of my experiences along the way, um, uh, especially around some of my people I meet along the way, um, my Uber drivers and Lyft drivers, the tennis pro. Uh, also going to be talking about Ashley Madison this hour and um, how to tell if your boyfriend is secretly gay. There are things that guys do that doesn't necessarily mean they're gay, but it is a very common Google search, according to Davidovich, who researches a lot of this. He's an economics uh, researcher, but uh, he likes to dabble in sex a little bit. And uh, some people like to dabble in sex outside of their relationship. And so who are the typical people people are having sex with outside of their relationship? And also, is positive thinking the best choice for you at times in life? Is that the way to deal with things? And how about if you are in a relationship with a narcissist? It's got to be the worst, honestly. (laughs) Get out, get away, run as fast as you possibly can. So I was, uh, I, I had one little negative Uber experience. <laughs> the guy had no idea where I was going. I'm like, you know, don't you have GPS? He said, yes, but it's not always right. I'm like, but it pretty much, it is 99% of the time. It's not a hundred percent, but it's pretty close. He was literally turning around on the highway, like take, pulling a U-turn, and it took twice as long. And uh, anyway, but I did meet a woman. I was arriving late into a city, and I have to say I was quite happy when it said your Uber driver is, uh, her name was a female name, Lisa. And um, so I was quite happy because that gave me a little feeling of comfort. It, you know, you arrive into a big city, big U.S. city at midnight and you're a bit nervous and you don't think you think, oh, call the Uber. And then, ooh, it's going to be a guy. But it wasn't. It was a woman. So I was happy. And she was happy, too. She said they actually give her the women. So, you know, th- there can be an issue um, with cab drivers and Uber and Lyft and, and the whole thing. So you have to be careful. But nonetheless, she, everybody always asks me what I do, what I'm doing there. And so I tell them what field I'm in. And, and then they're like, oh, that's awesome. That's so cool. Oh, I'd love your job. Yes, I bet you would. Uh, so she told me about her roommate. And she said that her, she and her roommate had just broken up. And I mean, her roommate had just broken up with, with, his, with her boyfriend, <laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm jet lagged and not even jet lagged. I didn't cross time zones, um, but I'm t- I guess I'm tired. Travel makes you tired. So her, she was telling me that her roommate had just broken up with her boyfriend because she thought the boyfriend was gay, and so she. I think she saw. I think what she said was that she saw the her boyfriend with another guy, kissing another guy. So okay, uh, but then she said, you know, the guy that I'm with. I think he's gay. And there were just some things that he did that made her think that he may not be living true to his sexuality. Uh, He had lower sexual desire than she did, so they had the desire discrepancy. Uh, But if you think this, if you think that the 
if you're a woman and you think that the guy you're with might be gay, chances are he's not. But it is one of the most common Google searches, and that is according to Google data scientist Steph, Seth Stevens Davidovich. I love that guy's name. Anyway, his search results show that women worry about this even more than if their husband is cheating on them. So you're in good company if you are wondering about that. So sexual orientation is nothing more than the tendency to be physically attracted to males, females, both or neither. And, you know, this sexuality can be fluid. It can be stable over time or sometimes it it can. There's no better word than fluidity associated with it. So there's lots of stereotypes around heterosexual couples, homosexual couples, gay people. But it. All it means is that, uh, you know, they like the same gender. So mainstream society or our society tends to look at attraction as something that is black and white. You're either attracted to men or you're attracted to women and it can never change. Once you are one, you can't be the other. Um, But that's not necessarily the case. And that speaks to that fluidity. So. Because sexuality is just not that simple. Even having sexual encounters with other men does not necessarily mean a man is gay. And in one study, the number of people who had had sexual experiences with people of the same gender were twice as many as the number who considered themselves gay or bisexual. Many people experiment, and oftentimes these experiments don't mean anything. I was speaking to another woman that I was traveling with and she said, um, well, I wasn't traveling with her. She was just sitting in the same row as I was. And, and she said that she had been in a relationship with a guy and he actually had her on Tinder for six months looking for a a threesome for them, looking for another woman for them. And so she was looking on Tinder for this third person and she was enjoying it and she was realizing that, you know, she was actually attracted to these women. So they found somebody who was attracted to, a, they found a, a woman who was attracted to her boyfriend and a woman that to whom she was attracted. So it was all going to work out really nicely. There was only one problem. The guy chickened out. He didn't want to do it. But what happened is she ended up being with a woman, not that particular woman, but another woman, because she realized that she at that time... Uh, was more attracted to women. She said she'd had a number of relationships with men, and I believe exclusively relationships with men. And But now she's in a uh, fairly steady relationship with a woman. And so the guy that she was in the relationship with is now questioning, and this is common too, was this actually real? Was our relationship real? Were, you know, and, and he keeps calling her, and he's very upset, and he you know, is very confused because this can be, it's actually simple, but it can be complex if you are in the relationship with the person. So what does all of this mean? There are things that guys do that doesn't necessarily mean that they're gay. And so sometimes anal sex, many men enjoy this, even straight men. And But although uh, very few men will admit to that, straight men. So it's nothing to be alarmed about. Um, so a lot of guys do uh, engage in that and they're not necessarily um, gay. Uh, you know, guys that want to get um, really, you know, spice things up in the bedroom, a lot of people might think that that um, 
means uh, a guy is gay. It doesn't. It's, this is something common, especially if you've been together with somebody for a long time. If a guy takes a particular interest in his personal appearance, sometimes people will offer. That's a big myth. Sometimes people will um, assume that being effeminate or demonstrating that. But that's just completely stereotypical, and there's absolutely no... Uh, truth in that. Being gay just means that a guy is attracted mostly to other men. It has nothing to do with appearances, mannerisms, the shoes that you're wearing, um, image obsession, anything like that. Uh, this one might surprise you. So for men who have had sex with men, I know you're going to all be like, oh, no, Maureen, you're wrong. Um, but I'm rarely wrong. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm wrong so often. Um, but a man who has had sex with men, but bear with me, getting along with a man doesn't necessarily mean that a guy is gay. It just means that he got on, got it on with another guy. Most straight guys would never have sex with another man, but a small percentage of men will do this for various reasons. And, you know, it's about anonymous favors, it's about particular kinks, and it's about... Um, you know, just a little bit of excitement and uh, and shaking things up a little bit, but it doesn't necessarily inherently mean that they are attracted, or there doesn't mean they are inherently attracted to uh, other men. So it doesn't necessarily mean, but there are a couple little signs that might mean the guy you're with is gay. So we often get upset uh, as women, or you may, if a guy that you're with checks out other women. But if your guy doesn't check out other women, that might be a sign. Now, these are all markers. None of them are absolute, are, are, are absolutes. But, you know, if he doesn't check out women and then takes it one step further and checks out men, well, he might be gay. You know, if, if you're a guy who's interested in other guys, a tiny look is just enough. And uh, you'll know that. Uh, if he is touchy-feely with other men, that can, if he's a little too eager to cuddle his buddies or he's keen on being in his bathing uh, in his birth suit or bathing with them these could be uh signs so uh one of the biggest telltale signs that the man you're with is insecure with his sexuality is if he shows unusual levels of homophobia most straight men have no problem with gay guys but if your boyfriend actively despises gay men or makes a big issue of it, there may, and, and especially if they're people that have never crossed him or done anything to him, you know, it could be. Also, an obsession with other people's sexuality is, is he may not be homophobic necessarily, but his ears perk up when you uh, talk about a gay friend, for example, or asks a lot of questions about them or is intrigued by their lives. Um, but he may be interested. Not, as I said, none of this is absolute. These are just some of the more uh, common signs. Uh, and many people get into long-term relationships with uh, gay people because gay people don't want to come out. Um, you know, gay gay men don't want to actually, um, they feel for whatever reason, they can't be true to their sexuality. Maybe their family hasn't accepted them. They don't know about it. And and one of these signs is if you're married or in a long-term relationship that he doesn't want to have sex with you. He's not interested in having sex with you. Of course, this could mean several things. It could mean their testosterone level is low. It could mean they have depression. It could mean substance use and abuse. It could mean you've gotten over the honeymoon period. There's so many things, the, the, so many reasons that sex dies down 
in a relationship. Um, but the other thing is social media contacts are sus- suspicious. And so if you take a look at his Facebook profile, you might notice there's lots of different men on there. And if you, especially if you notice that a lot of the men are gay, these are some of the signs that um, uh, you're, the guy you're with is gay. He might not be gay, but he could be. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. Thank you so much for being here with me this evening. It is always my pleasure to be with you. I receive so many emails from all of you, and I thank you very much for them. So feel free to email me at nursetalk at hotmail.com. Lately, a lot of the emails that I have received are about the lack of sex that is happening all over North America. What is going on, people? What is wrong with you? I'm kidding. Uh, anyway, no, I have had a number of these, and uh, and this is a, a very common sentiment. Uh, Dear Maureen, I haven't had sex for 15 years. My wife doesn't work. I love my wife and never want to hurt her, but I think I have committed to her for way too long. 15 years. I loved sex, but I feel trapped going outside to find sex. Help with advice. Maybe I'm an idiot. I am so lonely for a warm body to lay with. And this is the problem. This is what happens. People get incredibly lonely. And and then what happens when they're lonely and vulnerable and somebody comes by and just says, hey, how are you doing? You guessed it. Uh, they slip into the arms of another woman. What was that song? There's a really old song about... Um, Oh, take a letter, Maria. <laughs> I could probably sing that. <laughs> uh, message to my wife. Bop, bop, bop. Send a copy to my lawyer. Gonna start a new life. Anyway, you don't want that to happen to you. But Ashley Madison is back, and they are protected. They, if you recall, Ashley Madison is a dating is a dating site for married people, not necessarily to date the person that you're with. We promote dating, having a date night in my field, but. Uh, Ashley Madison is getting another date. They uh, had a, it's a cheating spouse website and it had a notorious data breach. It exposed its clients and also some questionable business practices. There were uh, deaths by suicide related to Ashley Madison when that, uh, there was a preacher in the South that Um, was on Ashley Madison and he could not deal with the shame and he died by suicide. It turned out he had anxiety and depression. There's a, um, if you want to learn a little bit more about that, there's a podcast called The Butterfly Effect and it tells the story of that gentleman. So the breach for Ashley Madison ruined a lot of lives and, um, but they're coming back and apparently they have just hundreds of millions of um, members. They had 32 million members in the past, and they have more than that now. Allegedly, they have 50-50, male and female, because last time they had bots. So I don't know where they've gotten all the women now this time. But anyway, apparently they have a much tighter uh, security and um, here in Canada, 17, according to Ashley Madison, allegedly 17,371 Canadians join the site monthly. 
Okay, that is a lot of sexless marriages out there. And that's really the the reason that they go. That's it. I'm telling you. Um, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people won't, but a lot of people will. And, and it's very much tied to just how much sex uh, people are having. So I'm, I'm down in Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm speaking at a conference this morning. I spoke at it, but I went down on Friday because of all the rain we've had here. Um, and I thought, you know, get a little break. And so I head down there and I'm by myself and I think, oh, there's a tennis court here. Great. Okay, I have nobody to play tennis with because I don't know anybody, so I'll take a lesson. So I I sign up for a lesson, and um, so I say to the pro, you know, I haven't really played tennis in about two or three years, and I, I tell him that. And uh, so we start hitting the ball a little bit, and, and uh, he says, you're, you're actually a good player. And I said, I am a woman. I am completely faking it. We are totally good at that. <laughs> Sometimes you got to fake it. But he said, sex is about the finish. And I thought, that's a good point. Sex is about the finish. The finish is different for different people. That, that depends. But you know what? You can't have the finish if you don't start. And yet you got to start. And sometimes we think that sexual desire is the first thing that happens, but not necessarily, especially in a long-term relationship. And so you got to take a page out of Nike's book and just do it. We call that responsive desire. You don't feel like having sex. It's the same old you again. And women report more boredom in the bedroom. But you know what? You do it. You take one for the team. As uh, as somebody said, and uh, and you do it, and if you enjoy it, and you are into it, we call that responsive desire. So yes, it's about the finish, but you got to start somewhere. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. We are in the final strokes of the program, and uh, I want to talk to you about uh, positive thinking. We often give that advice: think of your blessings, count your blessings, think positively. Um, don't focus on the negative. Think about the silver lining, that type of thing. But there's a Harvard psychologist who has explained in her new book why forcing positive thinking won't necessarily make you happy. The book is called Emotional Agility, Getting Unstuck, Embrace Change, and Thrive in Work and Life. And it was written by Harvard psychologist Susan David. She's also a professor at Harvard University. And the focus of the book is to get people out of the positive thinking rut and help them dig deeper into their situations so that they can learn from them, which I think has merit. I think it's very important to know thyself, understand your weakness, know uh, when you have trouble in your life, whether it be at work or at home, face the truth, face the truth about it instead of creating a narrative that it has a wall of denial um, that, you know, because denial is a drug as well. So, you know, we're taught as children to focus on the positive things in life and to block out those negative thoughts and experiences or situations that we've found ourselves in. And that may help, you know, for a time, might help in the moment. But pushing out those negative feelings, according to research, can actually make us less happy over the long term. And so, you know, I, I do believe that we have to have a critical view of what's going on in our life. What went wrong? What mistakes did we make? How can we learn from them? How can we be better? What was it that I did uh, to contribute to that situation, whether that be in your relationship or that be at work? Uh, did I did I ignore my partner? Did I decide to withhold sex from my partner? Did I, and that is what led to 
uh, my partner having an affair. When I explain this to people, they say it's quite a different perspective because there was something on Facebook recently, and it was about a woman who um, said she had had sex with married men. She'd had affairs with married men. And so, of course, all of the comments on Facebook were uh, blaming that woman. Why would she have affairs with married men? And her point was, she wanted the men to go back and speak to their wives. You heard from that email that I read to you just before the um, this uh, the the break. Um, he, you know, it had been fifteen years, and they, you know, I hear very commonly from many emailers that they. Uh, I mean, in fact, I asked him in response, you know, have you spoken to her about it? And she will not talk about it. And so, if he were to go outside of the relationship, or somebody were to go outside of the relationship. You know, honestly, these guys don't want to, or or women that are having sex outside of their marriages, they don't want to do that. They don't want it. They want to remain married. They want to have sex within their marriage. But there comes a time when their heads blow off and they have to, uh, that's when they present to my office, they're going crazy. And, and often the woman is like, I would kill him if he had an affair, but I'm not going to have sex with him. But you know what? Sexuality is, is something that has to be ignited and reignited and getting in touch with yourself and experiencing it and enjoying the pleasure, having that uh, vaginal, that tingling, that vaginal pulsation, that um, that pleasurable experience. Uh, you know, people go away from it for many, many reasons. And, and so oftentimes we, if we look closer at a marriage, you know, I'll say to people after they'll say, I don't want to you know, I've been divorced for five years and I'm reentering the dating scene. I don't want to make the same mistakes as I did in my first marriage. And I'll be like, well, how long was it in your first marriage that you didn't have sex? And I'd be like five years. So they, they know later, you know, they know what the problem is, but much later, or they won't admit to it. They can't admit it to themselves. And they, and also a lot of people think, you know what, so what, so what if I don't want to have sex with my spouse? Um, it doesn't mean that they, it doesn't give them license to cheat on me. And we use that term cheat, but do we need to use that term cheat? Do we need to, or, or, or do we, or should we call it survival? Is it really survival when somebody imposes fidelity on their spouse um, or, you know, withhold sex? Do we, must we impose that fidelity? Um, so it's, it's really important to dig deep and to look into your situation so you can learn from it and prevent it from happening again. The definition of course of psychosis is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So according to Susan David, she doesn't feel positive thinking is very helpful because we're only focusing on the good in our lives. And I'm sure you all know people like that. Everything's wonderful. Everything's always so happy. It's, it's fantastic. You know, the, the teenage sons had a party and the entire house was shaken up and down and all the neighbors complained. This is while the parents were away and, and, you know, and the parents come back and hear about it and they say, not my children. You, we all know people like that. No, my children are absolutely perfect. Um, and so we all, and, and those people, they, they seem to be able to have this Teflon that nothing is going to affect them and uh, and they're in denial about the realities. But then, you know what? Eventually, it always breaks down. And the healthiest people are the people that are actually able to say, this happened, this is how I contributed to it, this is what I've learned from it, and this is 
this is the um, basically the tenet of this particular book. And to quote her, she says, our contract with life is a contract that is brokered with fragility and with sadness and with anxiety. And if we're going to authentically and meaningfully be in this world, we cannot focus on one dimension of life and expect that focusing on that dimension is going to then give us a well-rounded life. She offers four steps to understanding your emotions so that you can tap into your emotion, which is extremely hard to do, but it doesn't have to be impossible. You've got to give it a try. She has these four steps to understand your emotions so that you can move forward after you've had a trying situation in your life. And first she says, you've got to show up and you've got to be present. And this term is being thrown around a lot with mindfulness and self-help books these days, but it means you need to be invested in embracing different moments in your life in order to make the most of them. And it's not about being overrun with emotion. Showing up means you bring all of yourself, all of your vulnerabilities, your weaknesses, your skills, your strength, your resources to get to the bottom of your emotions. How do you really feel about this? This is apparently, according to David, Susan David, a crucial and powerful first step because she feels when you show up fully with awareness and acceptance, even the worst demons usually back down. Her second step is to become an observer of yourself. She encourages people to step out of their comfort zone and look at the situations as if they were bystanders and not the ones experiencing the situation themselves. And so if you were to, you know, step away from the problem, say this happened to your neighbor or your friend, it can be very uncomfortable. It can help you to see how you are currently handling negative thoughts. And then you'll be able to develop skills to recognize them when they do arise. And so she describes this step as life is full of diving boards and other precipices. But as we've seen throughout this discussion of emotional agility, making the leap is not about ignoring, fixing, fighting, or controlling fear or anything else you might be experiencing. It's about accepting and noticing all of your emotions and thoughts, viewing even the most powerful of them with compassion and curiosity, and then choosing courage over comfort in order to do whatever you've determined is most important to you. And then you've got to ask yourself the question, according to Susan David, why are you doing what you're doing? So the third suggestion is walk your why, which means that you need not only to know why you are pursuing a job or a goal or a dream or a relationship or why you want to get better control over your emotions. And so you need to take steps to improve those things in your life. And there are three things she says that you are to look at in order to make these small changes. They are three broad areas of opportunity. It's your belief system or what psychologists call your mindset. So you need to tweak your mindset, you need to tweak your motivations, and you need to tweak your habits. And those are really important. Are you hitting the snooze button and not getting up early? Are you late for work all the time? Are you workaholic and staying there at work too late? Are you online a little bit too much? Are you uh, speaking to people outside of your marriage online? Why are you doing what you are doing? And why is your partner doing what they are doing? When we learn how to make small changes in these areas, we actually 
can set ourselves up to make profound change. It's also, you know, weight loss, body image. Are you not happy with your body? Why are you doing what you are doing? It's a very important critical step, I think. And then moving forward. People need to move forward, not look back. Keep moving so you can make progress in your life. And it's always about that push, that push forward. And you know what? Take the challenges Take have that courage to take on those challenges. You got to examine the negative things in your lives. Understand what it is that you did. If you dare I say wrong, uh, we won't be able to turn them around. And so, you know, the most effective way to transform your life is not running away from something, um, but it's doing what you can with what you have where you are. To quote Teddy Roosevelt, I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath, we are in the final strokes of the program. I've got a few strokes for you. We're going to lighten this baby up. Uh, I promised you something to help with your budget, and this will do it because you have these items at home, and they can actually increase the sensation and the sexual pleasure or the satisfying sexual event, which is what we call them things in the research world. Uh, so if you want to have more sexually satisfying events, you'll be glad you tuned, you're tuned in now. Um, of course, I did learn from a patient, I, was, I wanted to just tell you a few items that, uh, that are basically homemade sex toys that will take your pleasure to the next level. Now, I don't know about this one, but I did hear about this one from a patient who said that she used a, um, a power toothbrush, an electric toothbrush, and she put a finger cut on the end of it and used that as a vibrator. So if you happen to have an electric toothbrush, you can afford one. You want one for your teeth, <laughs> I think, and one for your vibrator. <laughs> I don't think you want to use the same one, but I suppose you could. Really not much difference there. Um, but anyway, that's that's one idea. See, I learned from you. That's why I love you. All right. Um, but there's some other things. Of course, we all know about the shower head and, and especially if you, if it's a removable shower head and, and a lot of the shower heads today have, have different, um, vibration settings, you know, so you want to, you can press it up against or directly spray your clitoris and it can, um, there can be varying pressures and spray settings. And so each, women can experience um, a different uh, sensation or, you know, you can experiment with that. And um, so you'll know what feels best. So that's, well, that's if you have a removable shower head. So they're not all removable shower heads. Um, but so, but you, you all got to have pillows. I'm sure you have pillows out there. The my pillow. have you got that? Um, but you can, you know, if your partner is away, if your spouse is no longer there or whatever, you find yourself alone one night, rubbing against a stack of pillows can stimulate the clitoris and serve as a stand-in for that person that you're missing. You can use towels as well. They can be great co-masturbation tools. And, you know, you want to uh, think outside of that penetrative sex box, if you will, um, Cucumber is uh, pretty much grown in the garden to double as a dildo. Um, but make sure you wrap it with non-microwavable saran wrap first in order to protect yourself from getting 
a bacterial infection. Of course, you have to have a healthy vagina to use that. So you also want to make sure that you don't have vaginal dryness. If you do, you want to have um, have that treated with uh, localized estrogen therapy. Speak to your doctor about that because lo- uh, vaginal dryness can lead to low sexual desire, of course, and uh, because of the painful sex, because that can be can feel like sandpaper. Uh, some women have described that to me. Um, uh, anyway, you don't really want to plan on using this cucumber for the salad, so that's not actually the most cost-effective <laughs> one either. Um, but a wooden spoon is. It's perfect for spanking because you can spank soft or hard depending on your partner's uh, preference. So just you want to make sure you're communicating about your sexual desires first. And... Um, it's actually not uh, a bad idea to wrap that up as well. If you're not dedicating these um, tools to your bedroom, like you have these whole little kitchen appliances in your bedroom, but this one ought to be in your bedroom. This is one of my favorite ones because so many women uh, are, are turned off by oral sex. I did have one patient one time say to me, can I use a Safeway bag to um, <laughs> a grocery bag to put over, it was her boyfriend's penis because she said, because I just feel like oral sex is gross. And so, um, and she felt it was dirty and that she thought she was going to get an infection. And, and she may have, she may have gotten a sexually transmitted infection if he had one, but make sure you have your sexual health history done. And um, so if you can't get into giving to performing oral sex on your partner, um, <laughs> uh, I'm getting some emails right now. But anyway, if you can't get into giving performing oral sex, but you do want to do something that aligns with the eroticism that he would like, um, then you know what? What woman doesn't have a strand of pearls in her jewel box? So this tool, or rather this jewel, uh, is for you. And so you can start out with a seductive strip tease if you like, and that can involve removing your necklace. Uh, you can slowly wrap it around his penis and um, give him a hand job, and then um, you know do a, a partial performing oral sex on him. The texture of those pearls gives the penis a very unique sensation. Uh, so you know what? You don't want to give away your grandmother's pearls. You want to keep them. Um, those scrubby pot scrubbers, those are also good if you like the feeling of exfoliation on your back or your face. You might like that similar sensation on your inner thighs, uh, between your butt cheeks or on your outer labia or against your breasts. Um, it can be used gently or firmly depending on what feels good for the user. Uh, so you can also, um, use it on your, a man's scrotum or a penis shaft, um, of course, they're they're the softer ones that you can get in um, the supermarkets. They're not the uh, by no means do I want you to use um, the the steel ones, steel wool. But if you want, you can add a little scented dollop of massage oil. Speaking of scented and dollop, and um, for performing oral sex, you may want to attempt to hold an ice cube in your mouth. That'll give a, a cool sensation, or also mouthwash, or using eucalyptus tab as well while delivering oral sex, or um, you can swish ice cold water in your mouth beforehand. Um, The thing about ice is that it it melts, but um, this can actually, you know, if you pop a strong mint 
in before that's not for you. It's for the sensation for your partner. And it leaves that tingling sensation, especially eucalyptus does a nice job with that uh, or a strong mint. Um, Coconut oil always. Um, Of course, coconut oil is just uh, multifactorial and it does everything. Um, But you can utilize that. um, But you can't use any oil-based lube with latex condom because the oil will break down the integrity of the latex. So also you want to make sure your oil is new and it it doesn't, um, because it can grow bacteria. So don't make sure it's never been opened before, but this is probably the most inexpensive lube you can find. And if you are somebody who likes to wear nylons or tights, uh, you've got to take off your nylons to have sex. So why not involve them in the fun instead of just uh, throwing them in the wash? Um, All senses are heightened when sight is deprived. So you might want to use something, um, these nylons to blindfold your partner or tie your partner's wrists or ankles um, while you are seducing them. So anyway, have a little fun on the cheap. Okay, that's my uh, advice tonight. I did want to read, um, my guest earlier brought me this mug and I just wanted to read, I love the words on it. Um, I think it's appropriate for what we're dealing with right now. Life is too short. Why not make the most of it all? Two steps forward, breathe in the small things, believe grace, be your own advocate, connect with people, make time your friend for your friend and not your and en- make time your friend and not your enemy. Provide resources, powerfully courageous, inspire gratitude, stand tall, be mindful, find inspiration, new beginnings, be still, live each day as as it comes. Know and respect your body, love, to embrace life and love completely. New normal, better friends, new friends. Through adversity often comes a new appreciation of life around you. Thank you so much for listening to the program. Andrew, you've done a bang-up job, of course. Again, thank you so much. Always great to be here. Back to the Bedroom is my website. Follow me on Twitter, at Back the Number 2, The Bedroom. And thank you so much for listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.